Section 34 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 2. Section 34, The Argonautic Legend. The legend of the Argonauts relates to the story of a band of heroes who sailed from Thessaly to Ea, the region of the sun-god, on the remotest shore of the Black Sea, in quest of a golden fleece. The ship Argo bore the heroes under the command of Jason, to whom the task had been assigned by his uncle Peleus. Peleus was the usurper of his nephew's throne, and for Jason, on his coming to man's estate, he devised the perilous adventure of fetching the golden fleece of the speaking ram which many years before had carried Phrixus to Ea or Colchis. Fifty of the most distinguished Grecian heroes came to Jason's aid, while Argus, the son of Phrixus, under the guidance of Athena, built the ship, inserting in the prow for prophetic advice and furtherance a piece of the famous talking oak of Dodona. Typhus was the steerman, and Orpheus joined the crew to enliven the weariness of their sea-life with his harp. The heroes came first to Lemnos, where the women had risen in revolt and slain fathers, brothers, and husbands. Here the voyagers lingered almost a year, but at last, having taken leave, they came to the southern coast of Propontis, where the Dolionis dwelt under King Cyzicus. Their kind entertainment among these people was marred by ill fate for having weighed anchor in the night they were driven back by a storm, and being mistaken for foes were fiercely attacked. Cyzicus himself fell by the hand of Jason. They next touched at the country of the Bibricians, where the hero Pollux overcame the king in a boxing-match and bound him to a tree, and thence to Salmedesus to consult the soothsayer Phineas. In gratitude for their freeing him from the harpies, who, as often as his table was set, descended out of the clouds upon his food and defiled it, the prophet directed them safely to Colchis. The heroes rowing with might thus passed the Symplegades, two cliffs which opened and shut with such swift violence that a bird could scarce fly through the passage. The rocks were held apart with the help of Athena, and from that day they became fixed and harmless. Further on they came in sight of Mount Caucasus, and saw the eagle which preyed on the vitals of Prometheus, and heard the sufferer's woeful cries. So their journey was accomplished, and they arrived at Ea, and the palace of King Aetes. When the king heard the errand of the heroes, he was moved against them, and refused to give up the fleece except on terms which he thought Jason durst not comply with. Two bulls, snorting fire with feet of brass, Jason was required to yoke, and with them plough a field and sow the land with dragon's teeth. Here the heavenly powers came to the hero's aid, and Hera and Athena prayed Aphrodite to send the shaft of Cupid upon Medea, the youthful daughter of the king. Thus it came about that Medea conceived a great passion for the hero, and with the magic which she knew she made for him a salve. The salve rendered his body invulnerable. He yoked the bulls and ploughed the field, and sowed the dragon's teeth. A crop of armed men sprang from the sowing, but Jason, prepared for this marvel by Medea, threw among them a stone which she had given him, whereupon they fell upon and slew one another. But Aetes still refused to fetch the fleece, plotting secretly to burn the Argo and kill the heroic Argonauts. Medea came to their succor, and by her black art lulled to sleep the dragon which guarded the fleece. They seized the pelt, boarded the Argo, and sailed away, taking Medea with them. 
When her father followed in pursuit, in the madness of her love for Jason she slew her brother whom she had with her, and strewed the fragments of his body upon the wave. The king stopped to recover them and give them burial, and thus the Argonauts escaped. But the anger of the gods at this horrible murder led the voyagers in expiation a wearisome way homeward. For they sailed through the waters of the Adriatic, the Nile, the circumfluous stream of the earth, past Scylla and Charybdis and the island of the sun, to Crete and Aegina and many lands before the Argo rode once more in Thessalian waters. The legend is one of the oldest and most familiar tales of Greece. Whether it is all poetic myth or had a certain foundation in fact, it is impossible now to say. The date, the geography, the heroes are mythical. And, as in the Homeric poems, the supernatural and seeming historical are so blended that the union is dissoluble by any analysis yet found. The theme has touched the imagination of poets from the time of Apollonius Rhodius, who wrote the Argonautica and went to Alexandria, B.C. 194, to take care of the great library there, to William Morris, who published his Life and Death of Jason in 1867. Mr. Morris's version of the contest of Orpheus with the Sirens is given to illustrate the reality of the old legends to the Greeks themselves. Jason's later life, his putting away of Medea, his marrying with Glosse, and the revenge of the deserted princess furnish the story of the greatest of the plays of the Euripides. The Victory of Orpheus From the Life and Death of Jason The Sirens O happy seafarers are ye, and surely all your ills are past, and toil upon the land and sea, since ye are brought to us at last. To you the fashion of the world wide lands lay waste, fair cities burned, and plagues, and kings from kingdoms hurled, are not, since hither ye have turned, for as upon the speech we stand, and o'er our heads the sea-fowl flit, our eyes behold a glorious land, and soon shall ye be kings of it. Orpheus A little more, a little more, O carriers of the golden fleece, a little labor with the oar before we reach the land of Greece. E'en now, perchance, faint rumors reach men's ears of this our victory, and draw them down on to the beach to gaze across the empty sea. But since the longed-for day is nigh, and scarce a god could stay us now, why do you hang your heads and sigh, and still go slower and more slow? THE SIRENS Ah, had ye chanced to reach the home your fond desires were set upon, into what troubles had ye come? What barren victory had ye won? But now, but now, when ye have lain asleep with us a little while beneath the washing of the main, how calm shall be your waking smile! For ye shall smile to think of life that knows no troublous change or fear, no unavailing bitter strife that ere its time brings trouble near. Orpheus, is there some murmur in your ears that all that we have done is not, and nothing ends our cares and fears till the last fear on us is brought? The Sirens, alas, and will ye stop your ears in vain desire to do aught, and wish to live mid cares and fears until the last fear makes you not? Orpheus. Is not the May-time now on earth, when close against the city wall the folk are singing in their mirth, while on their heads the May-flowers fall? The Sirens. Yes, May is come, and its sweet breath shall well-nigh make you weep to-day, and pensive with swift-coming death shall ye be satiate of the May. Orpheus. Shall not July bring fresh delight, as underneath green trees ye sit, and o'er some damsel's body white the noontide shadows change and flit? The Sirens 
No new delight July shall bring, But ancient fear and fresh desire, And spite of every lovely thing, Of July surely shall ye tire. Orpheus And now, when August comes on thee, And mid the golden sea of corn The merry reapers thou mayst see, Wilt thou still think the earth forlorn? The Sirens Set flowers on thy short-lived head, And in thine heart forgetfulness Of man's hard toil and scanty bread, And weary of those days no less. Orpheus, or wilt thou climb the sunny hill in the October afternoon to watch the purple earth's blood fill the gray vat to the maiden's tune? The Sirens, when thou beginnest to grow old, bring back remembrance of thy bliss, with that the shining cup doth hold, and weary helplessly of this. Orpheus, or pleasureless shall we pass by the long cold night and leaden day that song and tale and minstrelsy shall make as merry as the may the sirens list then to-night to some old tale until the tears o'erflow thine eyes but what shall all these things avail when sad to-morrow comes and dies orpheus and when the world is born again and with some fair love side by side thou wanderst twixt the sun and rain in that fresh love-begetting tide then, when the world is born again, and the sweet year before thee lies, shall thy heart think of coming pain, or vex itself with memories? The Sirens Ah, then the world is born again with burning love unsatisfied, and new desires fond and vain, and weary days from tide to tide. Ah, when the world is born again, a little day is soon gone by, when thou, unmoved by sun or rain, within a cold straight house shall lie. Therewith they ceased a while, as languidly the head of Argo fell off toward the sea, and through the waters she began to go, for from the land a fitful wind did blow, that, dallying with the many-colored sail, would sometimes swell it out and sometimes fail, as nigh the east side of the bay they drew, then o'er the waves again the music flew. THE SIRENS Think not of pleasure short and vain, wherewith mid days of toil and pain, with sick and sinking hearts ye strive to cheat yourselves, that ye may live with cold death ever close at hand. Think rather of a peaceful land, the changeless land where ye may be roofed over by the changeful sea. Orpheus. And is the fair town nothing, then, the coming of the wandering men with that long-talked-of thing and strange? and news of how the kingdoms change, the pointed hands, and wondering at doers of a desperate thing. Push on, for surely this shall be across a narrow strip of sea. The Sirens Alas, poor souls and timorous, will ye draw nigh to gaze at us, and see if we are fair indeed? For such as we shall be your mead, there where our hearts would have you go. And where can the earth-dwellers show in any land such loveliness as that wherewith your eyes we bless, O wanderers of the Minier, worn toilers over land and sea? Orpheus Fair as the lightning thwart the sky, as sun-dyed snow upon the high, untrodden heaps of threatening stone the eagle looks upon alone. O oh, fair as the doomed victim's wreath, O oh, fair as deadly sleep in death, what will ye with them, earthly men, to mate your threescore years and ten? Toil, rather, suffer and be free betwixt the green earth and the sea. The Sirens If ye bold with us to go, things such as happy dreams may show, shall your once heavy lids behold about our palaces of gold. Where waters neath the waters run, and from o'erhead a harmless sun gleams through the woods of chrysolite. There, gardens fairer to the sight than those of the Phaeacian king, 
shall ye behold, and wondering, gaze on the sea-born fruit and flowers, and thornless and unchanging bowers, whereof the maytime knoweth not. So to the pillared house being brought, poor souls, he shall not be alone, for o'er the floors of pale blue stone all day such feet as ours shall pass, and twixt the glimmering walls of glass such bodies garlanded with gold, so faint, so fair shall ye behold, and clean forget the treachery of changing earth and tumbling sea. Orpheus O oh, the sweet valley of deep grass, where through the summer stream doth pass in chain of shadow and still pool, from misty morn to evening cool, where the black ivy creeps and twines o'er the dark-armied red-trunked pines, whence clattering the pigeon flits, or brooding o'er her thin eggs sits, and every hollow of the hills with echoing song the mavis fills, there by the stream all unafraid shall stand the happy shepherd-maid, alone in first of sunlit hours. Behind her on the dewy flowers her homespun woolen raiment lies, and her white limbs and sweet gray eyes shine from the calm green pool and deep, while round about the swallows sweep, not silent. And would God that we like them were landed from the sea. THE SIRENS Shall we not rise with you at night, up through the shimmering green twilight that maketh there our changeless day? Then going through the moonlit gray, shall we not sit upon these sands to think upon the troublous lands, long left behind where once ye were, when every day brought change and fear? There, with white arms about you twined, and shuddering somewhat at the wind, that ye rejoiced erewhile to meet. Be happy while old stories sweet half understood float round your ears, and fill your eyes with happy tears. Ah, while we sing unto you there, as now we sing with yellow hair, blown round about these pearly limbs, while underneath the gray sky swims the light-shell sailor of the waves, and to our song from sea-filled caves booms out an echoing harmony. Shall ye not love the peaceful sea? Orpheus Nigh the vine-covered hillocks green, in days agone have I not seen the brown-clayed maidens amorous. Below the long rose-trellised house danced the querulous pipe and shrill, when the grey shadow of the hill was lengthening at the end of day. Not shadowy or pale were they, but limbed like those who twixt the trees followed the swift of goddesses. Sunburnt they are somewhat indeed, to where the rough brown woollen weed is drawn across their bosoms sweet, or cast from off their dancing feet. But yet the stars, the moonlight grey, the water wan, the dawn of day, can see their bodies fair and white, as hers, who once for man's delight before the world grew hard and cold, came o'er the bitter sea and cold, and surely those that met me there, her handmaidens and subjects were, and shame-faced, half-repressed desire, had lit their glorious eyes with fire, that maddens eager hearts of men. O oh, would that I were with them when the risen moon is gathering light, and yellow from the homestead white the windows gleam, but verily this waits us o'er a little sea." The Sirens Come to the land where none grows old, and none is rash or overbold, nor any noise there is of war, or rumour from wild lands afar, or plagues or birth and death of kings. No vain desire of unknown things shall vex you there, no hope or fear of that which never draweth near. But in that lovely land, and still ye may remember what ye will, and what ye will forget for I. 
So, while the kingdoms pass away, ye seabeed hardened toilers erst, unresting, for vain fame athirst, shall be at peace for evermore with hearts fulfilled of godlike lore, and calm, unwavering godlike love no lapse of time can turn or move. There, ages after your fair fleece is clean forgotten, yea, and Greece is no more counted glorious, alone with us, alone with us, alone with us dwell happily beneath our trembling roof of sea. Orpheus. Ah, do ye weary of the strife, and long to change this eager life for shadowy and dull hopelessness, thinking indeed to gain no less than this, to die, and not to die, to be as if ye ne'er had been, yet keep your memory fresh and green, to have no thought of good or ill, yet keep some thrilling pleasure still. O idle dream, ah, verily, if it shall happen unto me that I have thought of anything, when o'er my bones the sea-fowl sing, and I lie dead, how shall I pine for those fresh joys that once were mine? On this green fount of joy and mirth, the ever young and glorious earth, then helpless shall I call to mind thoughts of the flower-scented wind, the dew, the gentle rain at night, the wonder-working snow and white, the song of birds, the waters fall, the sun that maketh bliss of all. Yea, this our toil and victory, the tyrannous and conquered sea. The Sirens Ah, will ye go, and whither then will ye go from us, soon to die, to fill your threescore years and ten with many an unnamed misery? And this the wretchedest of all, that when upon your lonely eyes the last faint heaviness shall fall, ye shall bethink you of our cries. Come back, nor, grown old, seek in vain to hear us sing across the sea. Come back, come back, come back again, come back, O fearful Minier. Orpheus. Ah, once again, ah, once again. The black prow plunges through the sea, nor yet shall all your toil be vain, nor ye forget, O Minie. End of section thirty four.